Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have taken a short break from our Bible series in Genesis for this 14-part series on New Testament given. We will return back to our Bible series in Genesis after this current series. Thank you. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11, first, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgment and his status, which I command thee this day. Verse 17 and 18. And thou seest in thy hand my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this world. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. God has planned for his kingdom to be body funded, in other words, to be funded by the body. And if we read First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, the Bible says that let every one of you lay by himself in store as God has prospered him. Everyone must support the work of the kingdom in their local assembly according to their ability. He said, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has what has prospered him. Again, remember, we are not talking about supporting the megalomaniac, you know, vision of a man that just want to project themselves. No, we're not talking about that. We are talking here about supporting our local assembly to actually do the work of the kingdom of God. So if you look at that verse very well, what we are saying here is that God wants everybody to do it. God wants everybody to do it according to their ability. So here is being established a proportionate or a percentage given. Now, I'm going to return to to this. I'm going to return back to this when I'm ready to look at the confusion that the argument against tithe has generated and continue to generate all over the world. And I showed you this picture at the end of the teaching last episode. When we talk about given, when we talk about the economic system that God has laid down to finance his kingdom, we have to talk about given appropriately under the dispensation that we are talking about because there was given before the law, there was given under the law, and there is given after the law. But what we are saying is that actually the same principle under God, the same principle runs through this. It is not about the law of Moses. It is about the kingdom of God and it's about the economic structure to support the kingdom of God under different dispensations. And the principle is still the same. And when we discuss from the point of principle, a whole of a whole lot of this confusion will be avoided. Again, I cannot stress that a whole lot of this con- confusion is actually affecting significantly the ability for the, of the church to do the work it needs to do. Don't misunderstand me. There are some advantages that came out of it because all these charlatans have been exposed, and rightly so. But unfortunately, a whole lot of this thing has been taken to another different extreme, and everybody has been put into the same box, and people that are really genuinely doing the work of God has been lumped together with all these charlatans, and people are throwing the baby out with the bathwater, and it has become sometimes very difficult 
for honest, holy, godly people to actually fulfill the ministry that God has committed into our hands. Now, there is an important understanding that we all need to have, even in an ideal, perfect situation where we have godly, where we have holy, where we have God-fearing men and women that are leading the church, that are doing the work of the kingdom, that we trust them, that they are not spending this on themselves, that they are honest, they are holy, they are God-fearing. Even in that ideal situation, please understand this, that the operation of God's kingdom of, on heart has always been capital intensive. To do the work that God has committed into our hands will take money. It takes more than money. We need to pray. We need to fast. People will need to go. But all those things like we learned in last episode, all those strain us to work on the track. This thing takes money. As a church, we cannot fulfill our calling without good finances. And we illustrated that, isn't it, the last time with the train and the track. The track is not the train. The track can never be the train, but the train needs the track. And shock, shock, the track can limit how far the train will go. I sense that this is the reason why the devil is making sure that the money is in the hand of the unrighteous. The top 1% of people are controlling over one-fifth of world riches. And unfortunately, most of these people are not Christian. If anything, most of these people are anti-Christians. They, they have anti-Christ spirit. It looks like as we draw closer to the end of the world, the devil is making sure that the finances is in the hand of the ungodly. But listen to me, God have a way, and this is the reason why I'm doing this. God has a system in place to finance his kingdom. And I will say that here, it doesn't, that system doesn't need the outrageously rich. It doesn't need the billionaires. God doesn't need the billionaires to finance his kingdom. God just need the body. God not just needed the Christian to be faithful. And hopefully we will get there in our teaching. Now, let us look today at two sets of examples to illustrate what I've just said about the fact that the kingdom of God is capital intensive. The kingdom of God is capital intensive. Number one, what I'm going to do is to look, look at few scripture where God commanded us how to live our Christian life, okay? <laughs> this is what the Bible commanded each and every one of us to do. And what you will see as I read through the scripture is this. You will see that we cannot possibly fulfill this commandment without money. Money is not evil. It is the love of money that is evil. Money is not evil. It is the love. It is when we become greedy. It is when we have to be rich no matter what. That is the evil there. By the time we read through, I'm just going to read through a couple of scripture here. You will see straight away that you cannot, we as a church and we as individuals, we cannot possibly fulfill this commandment without finance. Let's go. First Timothy chapter 5 verse 8 from New King James. But if any one of you does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Verse 16. And if any believing man or woman has widow, let them relieve them. And do not let the church be burdened, that it may relieve those who are really widowed. Two things there. Let me take the second part. He said, listen, the church will have to take care 
of widows. <laughs> Do you see it here? The church will have to take care of widows. And that is a degree of financial burden on the church, not just the widow, the poor, the orphan. The church will have to do that. And he's actually instructing Christian here that, look, if you are a believing man or woman and you have a widow and it is in your power for you to take care of them, you take care of them so that those people are not added to the burden that the church will have to carry. And then verse 8 talks about the fact that every man and every woman must provide for their own household. You must provide for your parent. You must provide for your wife must provide for your children. And the Bible was quite strong about this. Let's look at the second scripture. I'm going to read Matthew chapter 25, and I'm just going to read verses 35 and 36 from the New King James Version. And this was the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> he was talking about, he was in his teaching, and he was talking about the end of the age, and he was talking about him turning to the sheep, those people on his right. But it is what he said here that is very, very important. Verse 35, he said, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in the prison, and you came to see me. Question. There is no way you can do this without finances. No way. I mean, obviously, you need more than finances. You need to be willing to do it. Yes. You need to be willing to be faithful. Yes. But you have to have finance to be able to feed the, feed the hungry, to be able to give water to the thirsty. You need to have a level of finance to be able to take in strangers and clothe the, the, the naked and visit the sick and visit those people that are in prison. Let's go to James chapter 2. We read verses 15 to 17. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, and be you warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? Again, you see this. In the church, we will have people that have need. We will have the poor. We will have the needy. A brother, a sister, Naked, poor, need of food. It is the duty of the church to provide those things that are needful to the body. For us to do, not to do that is actually to be denigrating on our duty. Let's go on quickly. First Corinthians chapter 16, and I'll read verse 1 from the Amplified Classic. Now concerning the money contributed for the relief of the saints, God's people, you are to do the same as I directed the churches in Galatia. Again, like I said just a few moments ago, I'm actually going to come back in future episode to really look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1. He said, now concerning the money contributed for the relief of the saints. Obviously, the background here is the fact that Paul was raising money from other churches to help the Christian in Jerusalem. My point here in this few examples is that Christians are called to a lifestyle of giving. Giving to ourselves, to our family, to our relatives, to other brothers, to the church, to the poor, even to strangers. That is our calling, is the calling of the church. But we cannot do this as individuals. We cannot do this as a church without finances. Yes, again, like I said, we need more than money. Yes, we do. We need more than money, but we don't need less than money. At the least, for one thing, we need the people with money to be faithful. Yes, 
We need people with the money to be faithful where they are given. And we'll come to that. We, we come to the faithfulness bit of it, but we don't need less than money. You cannot be faithful with your finances if you don't have the finance in the first place. And I'm going to show us in future episode, maybe I better mention that here, is the problem oftentimes is that we are often waiting until we'll have the thousands and the millions of this world. No, God wants us to be faithful in little. No matter what God has blessed you with, you must use proportion of that to bless his work. And we know that as we do that, God will bless us back so that we can bless his work. But what I'm establishing here is that we cannot possibly fulfill the ministry that God has put into the hands of the church without finances. Now, let me take another second illustration and then we will close for today. What I'm going to do is to look at the kingdom of God in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Okay, and what I want us to see is that the operation of God's kingdom on earth down the age in the Old Testament and in the New Testament has been capital intensive, even when that kingdom is being led by godly, honest, God-fearing leaders. Okay, remember, we, we have removed all the charlatans. We have removed all the greedy people. We are talking about God-fearing leaders leading us in the church to do the will of God, to do the purpose of God, it is always capital intensive. Now let's first look at Abraham. Okay, let's start with Abraham. I just want, I'm just going to run through this before my, my time is off. Let's look at Abraham. Now this is the thing. I mean, when we talk about wealth, when we talk about God blessing somebody with finances, Abraham is one of those people we would mention, isn't it? And th- it, there's a principle here that we often ignore in Abraham and every single one of these people that God blessed in the Bible. So God called him, God operated him from his country, from his people, from his religion. Now understand this, that when Abraham left his home in Haran and set off to the land of Canaan, where God is leading him to, actually his family was probably already quite large by modern standard. And he already, at that point, already had a level of wealth. Abraham was not poor when God called him. Now, we need to understand this. Now, why do I say that? Genesis chapter 12, verse 5 from New King James, I will read that. This was when God called Abraham. The Bible said, then Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his his brother's son, wait for it, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people they had acquired in Haran and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Do you see that? Abraham already have a very large family by modern standard. And when we read the story of the capture of Lot later in the story in chapter 14 of Genesis, verse 14 says, and when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants born in his own house, 318 of them, (laughs) and pursue those people that capture Lord. Please think along with me. 318 trained men that can fight. Grown men that can fight. Not only that, these men were born. These men were born in his house. I want you to imagine how many people were in Abraham's family? 
I mean, when you put it all together, Abraham was not just the head of a family, a nuclear family. Let's understand. Oftentimes, when we think about Abraham, God calling Abraham, we think about Abraham, Isaac, by this time he doesn't have a son, and maybe Lord, and maybe. No, no. Abraham was a city. Abraham was a head over a nation. Abraham was a head over an empire. Abraham was an entrepreneur. He had business. Abraham had sheep. He has oxen. He was trading. Abraham was an entrepreneur. He was the head of a nation. And God called him as the head of the nation. And God uprooted him with all those things. So the call of God upon Abraham's life was an expensive one. It was expensive for Abraham to obey God and follow God. Understand that. It is easy if you don't have anything God called you and you go. Look, when you have so many people depending upon you, you have a business that is running, that is settled, and God uprooted you. This was huge. And the large size of Abraham's family, coupled with the lifestyle of consecration and obedience, service, and worship that God has called him to, means that Abraham needs a level of wealth and security in order to fulfill the call of God upon his life. And God provided that. God put an economic system in place to sustain Abraham. God helped him and made him even wealthier. God blessed the work of his hand. Abraham was already working. He was already an entrepreneur and God gave him wealth. You remember where we read? God gave him the power to get wealth. Obviously, God also makes some situation work in his his favor. It was not always pleasant. You remember twice some king tried to take his wife from him. And through that, there was some transfer of wealth unto him also. But understand that because of the calling of God upon his life, we always think about Abraham, but think about all these other people around him. Because of that, God bless him so that God can establish the covenant that he has called Abraham into for Abraham to be a blessing. You know, God said, God, God said he's going to make him to be a blessing to the world. For him to be a blessing to the world, God has to bless him. Yes, ultimately, Abraham was a blessing to the world in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it was also a blessing to his immediate world. And for him to be that, God blessed him financially. And obviously God gave him a son ultimately in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me quickly add one before we finish. Then we come to the story of Moses. Okay, we've seen Abraham. God called Moses and the children of Israel and gave them the law with the priesthood and Levitical system of worship. Think about it. Oftentimes we talk about Moses, we talk about the priesthood, the Levitical system of worship. What we don't often think about is how expensive that system was. Think, think, think with me. To run that type of system, to run that type of worship, it was pretty expensive. For one thing, a whole tribe was consecrated to God. A whole tribe will should not work. Now, many of us are shouting and throwing stone because of the pastors. Now, remember what I'm saying? Remember what I'm saying? I've left the charlatans. I've left the the, the greedy, the, the villains, the... Um, Look, we need pastors that can be committed 100% to the work so that they could be able to receive from God. When we have a pastor, look, look, I still work, but I know the challenge to combine a whole lot of these things that we do together. Now, God calls some people into, you know, whole time ministry that they can dedicate themselves whole time to do the work 
But most pastors can't even do that because they know that they cannot be supported financially to do those work. So they have to work. And that's fine. I mean, Paul himself do put his hand to work. But I can tell you when we get there, there are so many people that were supporting the ministry of Paul. But what I'm saying is that wouldn't it be nice if these people can commit 100% focus? Now, I'm not talking about pastors that said they are in full-time ministry and they spend hours and hours at home sleeping in bed. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about God-fearing, holy, godly people, men and women. These, the Old Testament Leviticus system of worship was expensive. We have a whole tribe that God said they cannot work. They have to be dedicated to me and the others will have to take care of them. What about the tent? Think about this. What about how much it takes to build build the tent and later to build the temple? That was very expensive. Obviously, in the case of the tent of Moses in the wilderness, God knew how expensive it was. So God has given the children of Israel the money before they left Egypt. Obviously, they have to be faithful to give it. And the same thing also in building the temple, that was expensive. And because of that, God blessed David. And David made preparation for the temple and God bless Solomon. But what I want us to see here is the fact that this, this has always been expensive, but God put a system in place to actually finance the kingdom. I mean, what about all the animals and the materials that they have to use in temple worship over and over and over again? Therefore, God put an economic system into place to support this worship structure. How did God do that? God bless his people so that the people can bless his work and so that the worship can proceed. Our worship needs more than money, but it doesn't need less than money. And I'm going to stop here today. Last episode, we saw the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw the example of our Lord Jesus Christ in his own ministry, how expensive that was. We saw the church, the early church in the book of Acts. We look at those last episodes. And we saw that both the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and the ministry of the early church, they were run by godly, they were run by God-fearing men, obviously, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Yet they needed finances to be able to deal with that. So in all these cases, what I'm saying here is that expenses, finances were needed. And what God did was to put structure. I know I've not talked about the structure yet. Okay, we'll get to it. But God put economic structure in place to fund this ministry, to fund the kingdom of God. And the way God does that is to bless his people so that his people can finance his kingdom. And we have to trust God for this. Okay, we have to trust God for this. All right, that God will bless us so that we can bless his kingdom. And I perceive in my heart that the reason why many of us have not been blessed is because we don't have the heart to finance his kingdom as we should. Even if you only have a jar of oil, if even if you only have a pot of crucible, if you and I have the heart to say, Lord, this is all I have, but I'm going to give you part of it. If there, there is the heart in us that I'm going to give you out of my poverty, you know, this is my widow's might, I'm going to bring it. If we have the heart and we are, we are diligent in what we do, God will bless us so that we can be an increasing blessing to his kingdom. And if you are listening to me today and you've been hearing all these things about, you know, all this, king, all this minister, they are just after their money. No, we are not after your money. We are after your soul. And we are using the money to print tracts 
to send people to be on the TV, to be on the internet so that we can preach this message, so that you can know the message of the love of God. Yes, people have done all sorts of horrible things. People are taking advantage of other people in the name of Christ. We understand that. But don't, please don't lump, lump everybody together. God loves you. And it takes finances for me to do what I'm doing. I'm not taking any money from anybody because God has blessed me enough for me to do this. But it takes finances. I could have used this money for something else. But it is a privilege for me to be able to spend money and spend my time and spend my strength in the, in, in the cause of the kingdom of my king. If so, that one soul can hear the gospel and be given the chance to be saved. And that is what this is all about. And if you are listening to me tonight and you are not born again, please come. God loves you and is asking you. He doesn't want you to be lost. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You can come today. Admit that you are a sinner. Ask him to be your Lord and Savior. He will save you. Then will be your Lord. He will walk with you so that you can fulfill purpose for him on this earth. And when this is all over, you can spend eternity with him in the new heaven and the new earth. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.